This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Start. Parshas told us over here by Yechorad Yitzchak Harad Gedoyla Ad Ma'oy. Pasuk says Parakhov Zayin Pasul Lamed Gimel that Yitzchak was extremely afraid by Yirmiyafo. Who was it, therefore, who at Sod the one that trapped the deer of and he brought it to me, and I ate all of it, before you came along, and I benched him. You know what? He should remain benched. He should remain benched. What exactly happened here? In that Pasuk Lamed Hay, two Pesukim later, by Yomar, Yitzchak said to Esav, when Esav said, do you have one bracha left for me? Do you have anything left for me? He said, Ba'achicha your brother came with trickery and he took away your bracha. Couple questions over here. Number one, what in the world does this mean? Did Yitzchak really get fooled by goat hair? Is that really what happened? That Ye- Yaakov just had that goat hair on and Yitzchak was just felt it right over there? Plus, isn't that the strangest thing in the world that you would do to suggest? What if he feels your face? What's going to happen then? Is he going to put his hand on his arm and his face? Just because you have one thing of goat hair on your arm, like all of a sudden that's going to be perfectly fine and everything's going to work out well. Yaakov didn't even fake it. Immediately, as soon as he walks in, he's like, Baruch Hashem, everything worked out well. Like, why would you do that? He's not even faking it well. If, is this, if this is really the plan, the plan is horrible. And then, can I ask you, honestly, why would Yitzchak have said who it was? Why would he tell him? Why would he say that? Even if Esav knew, why would he say, wow, he came with trickery, with good chachmah. He was able to figure out how to do this. It's just the wrong thing to say. It says right afterward that Esav then hated Yaakov. What's the, I, I just, something is so strange here. We're missing something in this entire, in the Misa that the Torah is trying to tell us that, that, that seemingly should answer up everything around here. So Rashi tells us on Medrash that Yitzchak was genuinely shocked when he saw Gehenim open up underneath him. And he realized he had made a terrible miscalculation of what Esav was like. He assumed that Esav was, I'm sure he knew, there were issues with Esav. There's no way that Esav could have started his career of being an Ovid of Odezara Megala Arise and Shofech Damim at the age of 15. And by the age of 63, Yitzchak, his father, didn't know what he was doing. There's no way. No one's that good. No one is that good. So there's no way that's true. So he must have had a miscalculation. He probably thought that there was something good about Esav, and he realized he was wrong when Gehenim opened up beneath him. Balitosa says it opened up at the moment that he was about to curse Yaakov. He was going to say Yaakov Avinu is going to be cursed for stealing this bracha, and immediately realized Yaakov's not the issue, it's Esav who's the issue. It's his realization right there at that moment. Rabbeinu Bechayah says that the walls began to shake. The whole house started to crumble down to the ground itself. The Balaturim says the remez is the word Eifo. Eifo is the gematria of 98. Gehenim, without the Yud, is the gematria of 98. Rabbeinu Ephraim says the first six words here, is the same gematria of Ra Gehenim Basuach, that he saw that Gehenim was open beneath him. That's the Kenim says the Medrash. Yitzhak said to himself, who's going to be in Gehenim? Miefo. Who's going to be in Gehenim? Is it going to be Yaakov because he stole the bracha? Or is it going to be Esau because of everything else he did? Which one of them is going to go to Gehenim? He couldn't understand. Somebody's going to go to Gehenim here. Who's the one that's wrong? The answer was given to him in Ruach HaKadosh. Huatzad Sa'id, the trapper. 
the man named Esav, he's going to go down. And Esav said to him, at that point, Yaakov said back to Esav, he turned to Esav and he said, what can I do for you? You're going to Gehenna. That's the measure that comes from this Gemara itself. The Shach says, the reason why Gehenna opened up, and I'm sure you've heard this measure before, probably when you were in grade school at some time, is that Esav was very frustrated. He's trying to hunt. And as we all know, Esav was a master hunter. For whatever reason, this time, nothing worked. He set out traps, nothing happened. He shot animals every time he missed. Couldn't figure out what's going on. It took him hours to get something that normally would take him 15 minutes. And he couldn't figure it out. Finally, he was so frustrated. He took a dog, shechted the dog, roasted the meat, and brought that in to his father. When his father smelled the dead dog, he shook violently. And he saw Gehenim open up for someone that would partake of such a meal. And he said, how dare you? He said to Esau, who in the world would do this? How could he have brought me such filth? The wording of this Pusik is not about Yaakov. It's me, a foe. Who in the world would do this? Be Tzad Sayyid, be trapping a dog to be able to give to me. The Yavaliv Ochamikol, he would give it to me and I'd eat from everything. It's like an exact opposite of what it was before that it's not talking about Yaakov, it's talking about Esav. Esav, what were you thinking by doing such a thing? But wait, <laughs> how can you see Gehenim open up and below you if you're blind? How is that possible? You have a blind man, and he sees Gehenim opening up and below him. How do you see? Right, I, I guess you're right, because you can't really see Gehenim opening up below you. But if you see, it's not like he felt Gehenim's opening up below him. He saw it. So that Yelas Hashachar, Rav Aryeh Steinman says, it must be this is something he saw in Ruchnius. It's got to be it's something he saw in Ruchnius. It must be that Yitzchak had never seen something like this happen before around anybody. And now we realize how bad Esav was. If he's serving a dog, then you get it. If he, this is telling you, this is a telltale sign, look how bad Esav is. He was shocked by what was going on there. Das the Kanem, the Rabbin of Achayis, say another shot. Yitzchak had been scared once before. Vayecharad Yitzchak was a scare from before. Here was Charada Gedeila Ad Ma'od, an unbelievable fear. But he'd already been afraid as a korban on the Mizbeach by the Akedah. He had been scared before. He had been worried about what was going to happen. So according to the Rabbin of Achai and the Dasakanim, he thought he was going to die. Here, it was something that he felt he was even more scared. Could he have been that fooled by Esav? Was he that far off in how Esav was? Granted, again, there's no question Yitzchak Avinu knew there were issues with Esav. But was he that far off that he thought that a bracha might be able to help and even a bracha couldn't do anything for him? He couldn't understand it. How in the world was I that far off? What did I miss? Or chas v'sholem. Did Hashem decide to give the bracha to a liar and a cheat to Yaakov? Could Hashem really have allowed the bracha to go to somebody like that? How in the world could that be? He was so shocked. So Tom Vidas, Reb, Reb Sturmbach says, by the Akedah, Yitzchak Avinu was afraid that his children would have to be most nefesh to be great in life. He realized, said Yitzchak Avinu, if this is it, this is Maisa Avos Simen Labanim, something that the Avos do, signs on, something that's going to be for the, for the children themselves. So he looked at it and he said, is that really going to be? Every time my children need to succeed, they're going to have to die for it? They're going to have to sacrifice their lives for it? They're going to have to be most nefesh? That's what the Akedah seemed to be. That was scary. That meant something horrible for him. He didn't know what to do. How is that going to be? But now he saw something scarier. In order to defeat Esav, Yaakov will have to lie, cheat, and steal. That's how you have to defeat Esav. 
said Yitzchak. Is that what their lives are going to be like? Now I'm even more scared. If you tell me that they're going to have to be Moser Nefesh to get something, I'm sure my children will be Moser Nefesh in order to get what they need. But you're telling me they have to lie, cheat, and steal and not be another Esav. How are Yaakov Avinu's kids going to be able to do this and not remain in Esav? Not become another form of Esav itself. They're going to walk like Esav. They're going to talk like Esav. They're going to act like Esav in order to get what they need and not be Esav. It's not going to be possible. That was the fear here. The fear was what's going to be in the future. Not about now. Now doesn't matter, so to speak. It's all about what's going to be in the future. And they were so scared of what would be when this real lesson comes down. How are they not going to be like Esau? That scared him out of his, out of his mind. Pardes Yosef says another explanation. When Esau gets angry at Yaakov, there's one of two things. He either tries to kill him, tries to go up against him by shechting them, or... He tries to make us look like absolute cheats and liars and blame us for everything out there. Yitzchak was originally scared that the first problem was going to be the biggest problem, that Esau was going to try to kill us. And now he realizes the biggest issue is that Esau is going to call us liars and tricksters and the worst things in the world, that we're going to up it. This issue is going to come up again and again, and we know it from our past. We know this has been our issue. Either Esau hates us completely or Esau blames us, and usually it's one of the two. We have one of those issues that go for us. Very, very unlikely that we'll actually have that love that Esau that needs for us. And that's what made him so scared more than everything else. You have another Pasuk. Ve'ochal mikol. You probably recognize this Pasuk from your benching. We say, Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, bakol mikol kol. Now, bakol mikol kol is a reference to Avram Vinu getting the bracha, Bashem berachas Avram bakol. You have Yitzchak, I ate from all of the food over here. And Yaakov Inu saying, Yesh li kol, that I have everything. What is this line over here? Yeah. Last year you said something different. You said Avram had a son, Bakol. Daughter. Daughter, daughter, Bakol. There are seven explanations of the word Bakol in the Gemara Baba Basra on Tezayin Mabez. One of them is that he had a daughter, right? That is one of the explanations. The other one, you know, he didn't have a daughter or that her name was Bakol. Right. But there are seven explanations brought down over there. That's one thing. But Bakol is definitely the bracha of Hashem Berach Zavram Bakol. Bakol is the word that's used. Mikol used by Yitzchak. Kol by Yaakov. And that's what we're saying in our bench. We have that in our bench. Rashi says the most unbelievable thing. Yitzchak ate from the goat. And he tasted every taste of Gan Eden that you could possibly taste in food. He tasted it all in those goats that Yaakovinu served him. He felt the taste of Gan Eden. He felt it was there. According to Rashi, it seems that it was the mun. The goats were the mun for Yaakov Avinu. Rabbeinu Ophrein points out, Mikol is the gematria of mun. You don't even need to do that much for that one. Memchav Lamed is straight up the man. He felt it was the taste mamish of Ganini. He felt it was greater than everything else. Ayala Sashakar says that it sounds like the taste of the meat changed to whatever he was thinking of. But it seems even more than that. Yitzchok couldn't define it, says Ayala Sashakar. Couldn't define it. He couldn't say what it was. He said, I knew it was something I couldn't tell. Guys, I, I, this should be obvious. And I know most people here have never had venison before. If you have, has anybody here had venison? Had deer before in your life? It, it's just not common by us. I'll tell you another thing. Most of us here, I, I, I definitely haven't, have never had goat before. When have you ever had goat meat? When have you ever had goat meat? Now, they are similar in taste, so I've been told, that they're both stringy, very tough, very tough meat, and muscular. Because both goats and deer obviously need their muscles to run, to play, whatever it is that they have. It's not like sheep. It's not like cows. You know, they're really like... put. These are, these are animals that are moving around. 
and it's, it's a little bit musky, it's muscly, so it's a little bit tight. It's tight and stringy or whatever. It's not a great taste. But they don't taste alike. Goat and venison do not taste alike. If he asked specifically for some type of trapping, some type of chaya, you'd think you could tell the difference between a chaya and a goat. Now, I can't, because, again, I haven't had goat. I haven't really had deer. I think I had deer when I was a kid once. But I really haven't had deer or goat at all. But a person like Yaakov Yitzchak Avinu, who probably had goats in his backyard, would be able to tell what goats tasted like. So what happened? How could he not tell? The answer is, that something was there. He couldn't define it, but it was the greatest taste that he had ever had, and he assumed it was because of keep it up. It was the mitzvah of keep it up. Panim Yafo says that each one of these midos were the midos of the avos. Avram was bakol, Yaakov was kol, Yitzchak was mikol. They were all zocha to me'ein olam haba and olam azen. That's in that Gemara as well. The Gemara, Gemara says bakol mikol kol is that they all were zocha to me'ein olam haba and olam azen. Avraminu had a certain taste. I, I, I don't know where Avraminu would have gotten Olam Haba in this world. You'd assume it happened somewhere. But Yitzchak got it right now. By tasting the goats that he had, and this night from Yaakov, he tasted Olam Haba in this world itself. Not only that, their bodies never rotted. There was Zoha to die through Mises Nishika. They never had any Shlita from the Yitzhar. There's some great things over here. In benching, when we get through our benching, we finished our meal, we say, yes, this meal, I know what it was. It was chalent, and it was schnitzel, and there was a couple other things over there, some bread, some challah. I was able to get hummus inside there. If you're really, really good, you got like that little, you know, the, the schug that you were able to get for something. You know, you had some good stuff. But you didn't get main olam haba. When we bench, we sit there and we say to ourselves, we want our food to look better. We want our food to be like Yaakov Avinu gave to Yitzchak Avinu. We want our food to be bakol mikokol, to taste olam haba and olam hazeh. That our Shabbos meals shouldn't be faking it and say like, oh, this tastes like Mein Olam Haba. You have no idea what Mein Olam Haba. If you, if you tasted and you, you thought it was Mein Olam Haba, you wouldn't be able to be here anymore. We want our meals to be like Avram Yitzhak Yaakov's meal. That's the idea of what we're trying to say when we're benching. And it's to remember ourselves. Avram Yitzhak Yaakov Bakol Mikol Kol that they got Olam Haba and Olam Hazet. We want Olam Haba Olam Hazet. We wish we could have that taste. And Itziv points out that at this point, he wasn't sure if Eistavid realized who had stolen the bracha. He wasn't sure. So therefore, he pretended not to know who it was. He said, me a foe. Obviously, he knew it was Yaakov. And obviously, Esav knew immediately that it was Yaakov Avinu. But it's possible that this is still Lashon Hara. If somebody thinks that he knows who you're talking about, there's no reason for you to say it out loud just because he thinks it. And just because it's likely that it's a certain person, saying it out loud could still be Lashon Hara. When Esav said, Borcheni Gamani Avi, Bless me as well, my father. Yitzchak knew that Esav did know, and Esav already realized it was 100% Yaakov. There was no issue of Lashon Har anymore, and therefore Yitzchak said to him, whatever happened between the two of you, that happened. Yaakov received the bracha that you were supposed to have, to have tremendous hashpa in this world, and shefa in this world, through gemilas chasadim, and not through Torah tefillah. You don't need Torah tefillah for it. That was what the bracha was, and it will remain with him forever. And that's the idea of why there was no Lashon Har here, and how that went with Bakomi Kokol. There was something special that Yitzchak added on once that happened. Now, Yitzchak admits at the end, Gam that he is going to be blessed. The bracha is going to remain by him and it's going to stay there completely. Now, that makes absolutely no sense. If we learn the Pasuk Kipshuta, Miefo, who is it therefore that stole this bracha? And then at the end, you'd think you'd say something horrible. But he ends off with Gam That makes no sense. You were just saying that he's terrible. Now you're going to say he keeps the bracha? The Ramban says the whole Pasuk is part of his incredulousness. 
He's standing there and he's shocked. Who possibly could have kept this bracha and expected to keep it? Who would possibly could imagine? Can you imagine? Did he think that Esav wasn't going to come? Think of this trick, guys. Did Rivka Yimenu really think that Yitzchak was going to let Yaakov keep this bracha? What was the plan? I want you to think in Rivka's mind for a second. I want Yaakov to go in and steal the bracha. How does that work? Don't you think right afterward when Yitzchak realizes he was fooled, he would turn around and say the bracha's garbage, curse out Yaakov Vinu completely, and then give the bracha right back to Esav? Tell me, honestly, what was Rivka's plan? There seems to be no end game here. The front, I, I get it. Trick him, get him to give you the bracha. And then what? But what do you do? Are we going to trick Esav into not going? Are we going to make sure Esav doesn't receive a bracha? Are we then going to stand up and say, hey, Yitzchak, guess what? It was Yaakov the whole time. These were goat hairs. You were fooled by goat hairs. Was that the plan? Tell me, what was the plan? What were you thinking, Len? Can you really just say that bracha is garbage? So, listen, we don't have this concept of a bracha so strong that it had to be given specifically on Pesach night and with all these special connotations, you have to give me food in order to get it. We've never seen this before. So you're right. I, I don't know. Give me another time that we ever had a bracha like this. We don't have it. Avram blessed his kids. We don't see this. Yaakov blessed his kids. We don't see this. Moshe blessed Bnei Yisrael. We don't see this. There's no other bracha that's given in Tanakh that you have this type of like, this is special and everything like that. So if you're asking me, right, could it be that you could take back the bracha? I don't know. I don't know what this is. We don't know what this is. Yeah. I thought the idea was, there's first of all, many shots in this, this situation, but I was saying I thought that he was, Rivka wasn't trying to, to, there was like, you're right, there is no end game. Rivka was trying to show Yitzchak that realize that y- Yaakov is like, deserves the bracha. So you're saying Not, that Rivka was right. trying to show Yitzchak who Yaakov was. Right. Talk to him. Right. Well, no, no. Talk to him. You don't have to do this. He says the famous Pasuka, Kol, Kol Again, talk to him. If you're trying to, if the whole plan was show him who Yaakov was, so talk to him. She, Let me tell you, you Yitzchak Avinu, it's different. So then why would this work? Because you're showing, you're showing to him that, you're showing to him the look, you know, he's the one saying nice, he's the one saying thank you, he's giving you the compliments, he's the person. You know, I'm sure I, he knew that. You don't think Yaakov did that before? That yeah, I don't understand why this has to be the plan then. There's no reason to steal something from Esav in order to get it. There's no reason, I don't get that, yeah. Now you're right, it definitely is, but you could definitely supersede that bracha or say that it's a mekachtos. Tell me guys, if you sell a guy a house at the Brooklyn Bridge and you don't own the Brooklyn Bridge, does it work? No, of course not. So why would a bracha be different? Just asking, like seemingly a bracha granted is a bracha, but if I didn't mean to give you the bracha, why does that work? What are we going to say, Jake? Yeah. That there's something that's going on. That he feels there's something to Esau. There's so, if that's true, why would this change? So when you show someone, yeah. What's the irrefutable evidence? Oh, now hold on, hold on. So there you go. So using what we just said, now you have a little bit of a plan. Rifki Menu made an assumption, and she was right. That if Yaakov Avinu served this food, Yitzchak Avinu would feel Gan Eden. And that when Esav came in later, she would feel Gehenna. And he would realize who Yaakov and Esav were. Now, all of you are right. You all said it. Right? But it's really like, what's this? Why this? And Rivka made a huge assumption here, and that's that. 
The Ramban says this is part of Yitzchak's claim. His claim was, and the wording of the Pasuk is the following, he says, Mi Who in the world would get up and trap a deer, bring it to me, so that I could eat everything, before the other guy comes, so that I can bless him? Do you expect him to remain benched? Do you expect that he would stay benched? Do you think the bracha is going to work by such a person? Why would it work? That's what Yitzchak was saying, according to Ramban. This makes no sense, says Ramban. Why in the world did he think this is going to work? And on that, we have to have an answer. The answer had to be there, where Yitzchak himself must have figured it out right there at that point. There's something going on here. Something that Yitzchak himself must have realized, that Yaakov knew, that Esav knew, that Rivka knew that he wasn't a privy to before, and it was proven to him at this point, the Ganeid and Gehenim part. Let's go on with a little bit more to explain that idea. Rashi says Yitzchak was afraid that people would think that Yaakov only received the bracha because he tricked him. So he wanted to go out there publicly and state, he is benched. I know people think that he tricked me and therefore he got the bracha. Not true. I'm keeping the bracha by him. I am not taking it away. He wanted to make sure there is no withholding whatsoever. Let's explain that Rashi a little bit. Why would he all of a sudden decide, I'm going to keep it by Yitzchak, Yaakov? What did Yaakov do to deserve that? Yaakov just tricked him. Why would he say that? Says the Rashbam, Yitzchak always had his doubts. Remember the Rashbam is Rashi's grandson. He decided to write a Sefer and Pshat to help explain what he felt Rashi was going too much in Midrashim. He explains in Pshat, Yitzchak always had doubts. At 15, Asa went off. According to Rashi, at the age of 13, Asa went off. He's 63 now. Yitzchak always had his problems. But he had his issues with Yaakov as well. Yaakov is not a man of the world. He's an Ishtam. He's Yosheb Ohalam. He cannot be a Parnassa guy. There's no way this guy can go out into the field and do what he needs to do in order to bring back money for his family. So he had his issue with who Yaakov was. Says the Rashbam, he knew that Yaakov could not have done this on his own. This was not Yaakov. This is not Yaakov at all. He knew a little bit about Yaakov. He learned with Yaakov. He knew that Yaakov wasn't like this. So Rivka Imenu was involved. And then he sat there thinking, and he's like, why wouldn't Rivka talk to me about this? Why didn't Rivka say anything to me about this? He knew the greatness of his wife. And I hate that people say, well, the relationship was probably off. Give me a break. Honestly, is that what you honestly think? That the lesson behind this is talk to your wife. See what happened? That's ridiculous. That's, that, that's a stupid lesson. A momish, dumb, dumb, dumb lesson. That cannot be the full lesson that we're trying to learn from over here. Of course they understood each other. But he understood. He's looking at this and he's like, Yaakov didn't do this on his own, which means Rivka's involved. And Rivka didn't tell me about it. What's going on here? There's something that I'm completely missing that I was missing from before and realized Rivka knows something more about this than I do. Lavan looked like a great man on the outside as we talked about last week, right? But on the inside, he was an evil dude. Who knew Lavan better than anyone else? Rivka. Esav looks pretty good on the outside. It's got to be he's got something inside. And Rivka never had any proof. There's no raya. There's nothing in there to tell me that I'm right or wrong about this. So Rivka never had any riots. There's nothing there to go to Yitzchak about and say, Yitzchak, this is what's wrong. Here's what's wrong with this person. He had nothing, she had nothing to tell me. So therefore, she wanted to tell me, but there was nothing there. And she didn't want to speak Lush and Hara about somebody, not knowing that it was there. But she knew Lavan. And she knew that Esav is just like him. So he said, something's wrong here. When he realized what had happened, that his wife was behind it. And Rivka Menu and Yitzchak both knew there's no way HaKadosh Baruch Hu would allow the wrong person to get the bracha. So what did Rivka do? She said to Yaakov, try it. Try it. Let's see. 
If HaKadosh Baruch wants to give you the bracha, you'll get the bracha. And it was an attempt, the way the Rashbam is saying it. And he went in, not knowing if he was going to be successful or not, not knowing if Esav was going to walk in, in the moment that he was serving his father food. And then he was lost forever. Then he's gone forever. But it was a sacrifice he was willing to take to show, maybe I'm the one that's worthy to get this bracha, maybe I can do it. He felt he could do it. And when Yitzchak realized this is what happened, and he went in, and Yaakov was able to do this, and Rivka was behind it, Yaakov, Yitzchak you know, all of a sudden realized, okay, it's Yaakov, not Esau. Yaakov can be the guy. He can go out into the fields. He's been learning the whole time, but maybe he can do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Visited who? I would assume that Rivka Menu saw certain things, but none of them were pro- proofs. In other words, we know that Rivka, Asaph's wives did a Vodazara. Is that a proof that Asaph did a Vodazara? Maybe his wives were evil people, but Asaph was a good guy. Maybe Asaph was that guy wearing, again, a reckle and a little, you know, an up hat, and he sat in the front of Shoal, and he was a regular Rosh Hashiva, and he learned really well, but on the inside he's full of garbage. I don't know. I don't know. Chazal tells us he's an Ovid of Odezara, Shvichus Domim, and Gile Reis. Again, I can't talk about the Gile Reis. I can't talk about the Avodazara. That I can't talk about. I can tell you the Shvichus Domim. Who did he kill? Nimrod. That's awesome. I would kill Nimrod. I would do that. So why all of a sudden we're looking at Asa and we're like, what an evil guy. He killed the arch enemy of his grandfather. Well, of course. Why would that be a bad thing? Again, covert betchis mason, covert, but those are things on the inside, not on the outside. I can't explain all these chazal. But the way the Rashbam is saying it is that Yitzchak wasn't fooled. He mamish thought that Esau was a great guy. And it was inside the guy that was bad. Rivka saw it but couldn't prove it. Yitzchak, I, there was no reason to go to him yet. Yeah, Jake. Uh, Yaakov actually did show uh, uh, cunning before. By the bracha? Yeah, Stealing the bracha, whatever it is. So... Uh, the buying everything, that, that, that's, uh, the buying the Bechorah, I'm sorry. Buying the Bechorah, yeah, 100%. It, it, that does show something if people knew about it. If anybody else knew about it, aside from Yaakov and Esau themselves, really if that's possible. Like Yitzhak, who's such a massive genius, uh-huh. would actually be fooled by this? I don't think it's a question of being fooled. I think Esau and Levin fooled themselves. I don't think it was something that we're looking at a guy who's murder. Like, we're not seeing, like, a Rambo character with, like, bullets down his chest, like, walking down the street, just shooting guns at everybody out there, right? Grabbing innocent woman, right? And just, you know, like, just sitting there with a Vodazara, like, kissing a getchka and bowing down to it as he's walking in the street. I honestly think this is a person who is able to fool himself into thinking how great he was. That he thought that he was this great, great person. And maybe, maybe on the outside he was. We're only seeing it from the inside. We're seeing what he was on the inside what Chazal tells us about him but maybe maybe there was nothing to fool he mamish thought about it himself maybe he, that's it that's all you're right we don't know what that means we don't know what that means and we don't know when that was made if that was made by selling the Bechorah right maybe there was a shot that Esav had behind it maybe I'm not the right guy for this I'll sell my Bechorah to Yaakov because he deserves it better than me maybe even Esav agreed that Yaakov was great but it was a different type of great there's something different over here. I don't know. The Sforno says Yitzchak felt that his bracha was accepted. There's a man, Rabbi Hanina Bendosa, my favorite Tana. Rabbi Hanina Bendosa and brachos, that he could tell when the person he was davening for, the tefillah was accepted. He could tell. He knew that when he would daven for somebody, he was accepted or wasn't accepted. According to this Sforno, maybe Yitzchak Avinu knew it as well. As soon as he gave the bracha, he felt, check. It was checked up in Shemayim. Everything was good famous story with my great-great-great-grandfather, Rabbi Akiva Eger. Rabbi Akiva Eger was once sent a message, they say, from the Chassam Sofer. Chassam Sofer said, I want you to da- 
uh, it might not have been Chassam Sofer. It was uh, Rav Shlomo Eger from his son, Rav Shlomo Eger, the Gilliam Marshall, not the Marshall, the Gilliam Marshall. He sent him over a message and he said, please daven for Sarah Bas Rivka, right? So Rabbi Kiva Eger sent a message back and said, I davened, I wasn't answered, check the name. So his son looked at the name, realized it wasn't Sarah Bas Rivka, it was Rivka Bas Sarah, sent it back to him. Rabbi Kiva Eger sent him a letter back and said, I davened, she, I was answered, she'll have a Rafua Shlema. A person like that, I don't know how Rabbi Kiva Eger, maybe for his son he could write this. He felt that he had that Ruach HaKodesh to be able to know when his feelings were accepted or not. But to say, I can't tell, the name must be wrong, that's maybe how Yitzchak Avinu felt. He felt the bracha was there. So therefore he said, Gam There's no question. Baruchiyah, he's got to be blessed. I felt like it went through. It must have happened. The Malvam says there were seven strange things that he saw. You can look at the Malvam yourself. The weird things that he saw over here and he realized it had to be Mina Shamayim. It had to be like this. Midrash Talpil says this didn't even come from Yitzchak. Yitzchak, Gambaruchiyeh was a basko from Shemayim. Yitzchak said, how dare a person come in? How could it be that I d- ate from all this? And comes a basko and says, Gambaruchiyeh. Yeah, and it worked. And it worked. A basko came down and said it. Tosefes Bracha says, we know that Avram became a Kohen, gave it over to Yitzchak. By Birchas Kohanim, we say, Vaniyah Vorachem. We say that whenever the Kohanim give us brachas, Hashem comes down and, so to speak, in his maskim. And he's like, good, the bracha works. This is what happened. Yitzchak gave a bracha and the basko came out and said, yeah, it worked. Just like a coin would. It's possible over here. The Kedushas Levi says there might have been other brachos over here. There's an Igritakal over here as well that goes into a Hasidish idea over here. By Kedushas Levi and the Igritakal are both in the same idea. But there's something more, right? We've got to be missing something. Says the Chassam Sofer, and this is the famous one. You all know this. You just have to hear it from the Chassam Sofer himself. If Yitzchak just realized he was fooled by Esau his entire life, then why was he scared? Why was he scared? There shouldn't be anything he's scared about. He should be ecstatic. He should yell out, Thank you, Hashem. Thank you, Hashem. Up until now, I had no idea who this guy was. Up until now, I thought it was that. HaKadosh Baruch thank you so much for allowing me to give the right bracha to the right person. That's what he should have said if he was really being fooled his whole life. And how could it be that he was fooled at all? If he really was fooled, I know I gave one answer already, but how could he really be fooled by this? He saw Yaakov every day in the base matters. He knew who Esav was out in the field hunting and doing things. There's no reason why he would have thought that Esav would be better than Yaakov when it came to stuff like this. How could he have thought that it's there? And even if he did think so, how in the world would he have told Esav the following? Look at the wording that he said in the bracha to Yaakov. Remember, he thinks he's talking to Esav, right? Look at the wording. Have a gvir la'achecha, be a leader for your brother, and the children of your mother, in other words, Yaakov, will bow down to you. How in the world, unless, again, unless he is totally fooled by Esau, totally fooled, he is making Esau the king and making Yaakov bow down to him. Do you hear that line? How, who would do that? Who would do that? Even if you're somewhat fooled. He knew who Yaakov was. You can't be fooled by someone who's sitting in the base medrash all day. You're making the, the rabbi be subservient to the president of the shul? What in the world? Who would do that? Why would you allow that to happen? The idea is, clearly, Yitzchak was attempting to have a perfect Yitzchak Zulin relationship. He understood who Yaakov was. He understood who Esav was. He wanted a partnership between them. If Zvulin does his job properly making Parnassah L'shem Shemayim, giving half of his earnings over to the Yisachar, right, and allowing them to be partners, him learning, him making Parnassah, then this would be the greatest partnership of all time. That's the way the perfect Yisachar's willing relationship is. Not, not 10%, not 15%, 50% down the middle. You make a $1 million deal, 
500,000 goes to the government, but 250,000 goes to you, $250,000 goes to your brother, goes to the Yisachar. That's the idea behind it. And therefore, Yisachar should be Meshubit to Zvulun. If Zvulun is working like a dog, making his parnasa and giving up 50%, most of you work. Would you be willing to give up 50% of your earnings to somebody else? Would you give it up and say, here, take it? And those who are married, don't, no jokes. But for that, would you, mamish, be willing to say, here's 50% of my earnings, I'm giving it right over to you. You think that's easy? If a Zvulun does his job properly, L'shem Shemayim, with the right intentions, there is no one greater than him. Yisachar should bow down to such a person because such a person is, in a way, sacrificing his spiritual life so his brother can have a spiritual life. There is nothing greater than that. But that only works if Yisvulin is L'shem Shemayim. Yisvulin is doing it for the right reasons. When Yitzchak saw Esav come out first, that he was the first one born, and Yaakov holding on to him, that seemed like him? Simon, right there. His whole life, he thought to himself, if Esav is the one who came out first, that's the Parnasa, Smach Zulim Secha, and Yisachar Bo'alecha, Yaakov is the one holding on to him, what does that indicate? That shows that Yaakov needs Esav. That Yaakov needs to hold on to Esav to give him Parnasa. That in order for him to survive Yaakov, he needs Esav to be the Parnasa guy. This is the thought process that, that Yaakov, Yitzchak Avinu had his whole life. When Esav gave up the Bechorah, he gave it up because he said, this isn't for me. I'm the worker guy. I'm the business guy. I'm going to be the Zvulun. This may have been Esav's thought the whole time. And to give it over to Yaakov, he said to Yaakov, you take the Bechorah. That's who you are. That's who you are. You deserve to be this guy. This is the relationship. Yitzchak Avinu wanted it to be done in such a way that you take the proper Kedusha of Avram Avinu, bring Parnassah somewhere, Ruchnius and the other one, have them work together, L'shem Shemaim, and then Enachanami. Yitzchak didn't say, Heve Atotiye Gvir Lachacha. He didn't say, you will be a leader for your brother. That's not what he said. He says, Heve Gvir. Be the man, he told Zvulun. He told Esav, if you do this, nothing could be better. If you do this, you will be the leader. I'm giving you a suggestion of what you could be. You can be the Gvir La'achicha if you do something. L'shem Shemayim. They'll bow down to you if you do it. L'shem Shemayim. And if you don't, you lose everything. That was the Yisachar's willing relationship that Yitzchak promised him, or would have promised him had he gotten the bracha. Rivka Yimenu realized, and Akadosh Baruch Hu knew, Esau would never be able to do this. It would be a bracha levatala. The bracha given by Yaakov, Yitzchak would be wasted on an Esau. Could it have been? Maybe, maybe. But the reality is, is that Yaakov Avinu needs this bracha for himself. Yaakov Avinu needs to be the guy to both learn and work himself. He's got to be involved in both. That idea. Now within Yaakov, you can have a Yitzchak's vuln. Within Yaakov, you can have one guy learning, one guy working. It's not a requirement that you have to do both once you're in a Yaakov system. A guy who's already in Yaakov's system can be a guy who's doing Parnassal Hashem Shemaim and giving up 50% of his earnings to his brother. That you could have over here. But Rivke Menu and Akadosh Baruch who realized that he can't do it. Yitzchak probably realized it as well. Yitzchak was hoping. Hope beyond hope. And when he sat there and Yaakov came in, and come on, guys, you really think he didn't know it was Yaakov? You really think that he didn't realize it was Yaakov? He, of course, had in the back of his head, it's Yaakov. He for sure was worried about this his whole life. Yes, this is the plan. This is what I think should work. I hope it works really well. But he knew who Esav was. He knew who Yaakov was. 
And when Yaakov came in, he knew exactly what he was looking at. If Hashem was maskim, that the bracha came out from his lips and it worked, and he felt it worked, gam baruch That's the Ksam Sofer. It's going to work. It's going to be perfect. I don't understand it fully, said Yitzchak, but it's going to be perfectly fine. And when he saw Esav, and he said, Esav, listen, maybe you'll get something until that point when Yaakov perfects himself. The line, the concept of what he wanted to do here, there's no way that Imamish was fooled. We didn't have much time. If you look in the rest of this, I talked about the word bimirma, how he tricked, and that Targum Onkelis, Targum Yonason and Rashi say the word bimirma means bechachma. He used a wisdom to be able to circumvent. Yaakov used tremendous wisdom to fool me. That's how Rashi, how Rashi understands this Pasuk. He used Chachm over here. I want you to look at the Ibn Ezra. Look at the Malbim. And then the Chsam Sofer. In the Sefer Chsam Sofer Al-Torah. There's one in the Chsam Sofer Al-Torah. And there's one in the Torah's Moshe Al-Torah. There's two of them right over there. There's a Be'er Yosef over here. There's a Beni Shchai. And I'm going to end with a Beni Shchai. And one more thing. We're going to end with one other thing over here. The Beni Shchai says in Od Yosef Chai. Something amazing from the Alshech. He says, Yitzchak always knew it was Yaakov. He knew from the beginning. As soon as Yaakov said the words, Hashem Elokecha, Hashem your God. As soon as he mentioned God, he realized Esau would never speak this way, which is why he told him, come here, let me feel your arm. When he felt his arm and he felt the hair, this is what the Ben Yishchai says, he felt goat skin. And he felt it and he's like, something's really up now. He's trying to fool me with goat skin? What is going on here? Something's wrong. Something's clearly up. So he began to wonder, why in the world would Yaakov do this? And why would Yaakov give himself away by saying, God brought, brought me the food, Dad. Hashem made sure that I got the right food for you. Why would Yaakov have done this? If he's going to act like, Yaak- like Esau, if he's going to look like Esau, so to speak, then talk like Esau. Why would he do that? See, it's like realized. Yaakov wants me to know that I'm Yaakov and not Esau. Yitzchak looked at it, says the Ben Ishchai, and saw, he wants me to know who this is. But then why did he put on the goatskins? If he wanted me to know that it was Yaakov, then don't put on the goatskins, and then I'll realize that it's Yaakov, right? So it must be that Yaakov understood, and here's the plan. Yaakov said, I'm going to do what Esav had to do. Dad, until this point, you said that I can't do it. Until this point, you said I was a Yoshev Ohalem, an Ishtam, and I can't be that guy. I can't go out there and do what Esav is able to do. Dad, I am Esav. I am whatever you want me to be. You want me to put on the goatskins and pretend on the outside that I care about Parnassah? You want me to go ahead and show that I can do Ishtadlus? I did my Ishtadlus here. I came to get my bracha and I put on the goatskins to make you think that I'm a hairy man. I did my Ishtadlus. But who am I inside? I'm Yaakov. And I can't talk like an Esav. For those who are in work, you've got to be careful with how you talk. You want to look like an Esav, meaning wear the clothes that people normally wear when you go to work? You can 100% look like that. You want to be able to be the person who does the work that an Esav does? 100%. But you have to think like a Yaakov. You have to have the mindset of a Yaakov. Your speech has to be Yaakov's speech. Then instead of using the words that they use, you use the words that a Jew would use. You talk like a Yaakov while you have Esav on the outside. You wear the goatskins. You do whatever you need to do. But on the inside, you are a Yaakov. That's the Ben Ishchai's line of what he said that convinced Yitzchak he gets the bracha. On the outside, he's one thing. On the inside, he's completely, completely different. He wasn't sure why at the time, according to the Ben Ishchai, but he understood this is who needs to be. And it was given with a sound mind. 
a sound mind. He knew exactly who he was giving it to and realized why he had to give it to him and he wanted to give it to him. That's what he realized at that moment. That's what he ended up doing. That's an amazing Ben Ishchai. An amazing Ben Ishchai. And if you think about who the Ben Ishchai was, him saying this to the Iraqi Jews, to the Jews that were living in Baghdad and all the places around make a ton of sense. An absolute ton of sense of what it was. The last thing we'll end with is something that I spoke about, I think, three or four years ago. That Bechachma also means that Yitzchak could not eat the food that Esau brought him. Why couldn't Yitzchak eat the food that Esau brought him? Because Bemirma is the gematria of Afikomen. He ate the two goats. One was the Korban Chagiga and one was the Korban Pesach. The last thing you eat on Pesach night is the Afikomen, which is the Korban Pesach. That was the last thing he was going to eat. If Bemirma and Afikomen are the same, 287 altogether, it was the Chachma of Yaakov, the wisdom of Yaakov, is to bring the Korban Pesach and feed him Allah Sova, so that he's so full, he won't be able to take any food from Esav when Esav came in. Once that happened, he realized, the Chidah says, that's why Esav cried, knowing that Yitzchak would never be able to eat his food. After this point, it wasn't going to happen. It's amazing, right? That as soon as Yaakov leaves, all of a sudden, Esav walks inside. Not a coincidence. HaKadosh Baruch Hu's trying to show Yitzchak Avinu, this is what I want. This is the person who gets the bracha. Gambor comes from him, so to speak, from up above. That's the concept of who it is. It also tells us a little bit about what the plan was from Rivka. I hope everybody understands that, of how the plan went from Rivka. We had two basic ideas behind that. And the idea at the very end, what was Yaakov's idea? What did he want when he did the Chachmah, that Mirma that he gave, why it had to be that way? We'll stop with that, guys. Have a great Shabbos. It was three years ago? Yeah.